Andy Stanley, pastor of one of the largest churches in America, recently suggested that because God has not answered the prayer of those who've begged to be free from their LGBTQ plus lifestyle, that this means this must be God's design for them. Is this the right response for the church of Jesus in this day to those who struggle in sin? Is this what helps people be met with grace and to set them free? Let's see what the Bible says about that. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in for this podcast today. It's going to be a little bit different. If you're watching online, you see there's a laptop here, so it's a little bit different. We're going to be reviewing a sermon from Andy Stanley today. So stick with us. Those of you who are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you'll be hearing another voice. That's not us, but we're going to be reviewing a sermon. But I'm so glad that you're here for this podcast. We've got podcasts coming out every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. So if you would, go ahead and like and subscribe if you're on YouTube and you can share this with a friend, someone who needs this podcast. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. So our goal uh, on our podcast is always to lift them up and live them out. That's the mission of our church, but to also educate and motivate God's people and how to live out their faith. So we're not afraid of the hard subjects and the ones that are right on the the cultural edge. So Mm -hmm. we're going to go there today. Um, uh, A little bit of background on where we're headed today. We're going to be talking about uh, Andy Stanley, uh, pastor of uh, one of the largest churches in North America. It's located in Atlanta, Georgia. His church is North Point Church. And they have eight campuses all across the metro Atlanta area, and they average about 40,000 in attendance mm. each week. It's crazy. Uh, he planted the church back in 1995 and has grown in influence in ministry since then. Mm-hmm. He's the author of uh, some 25-plus books, countless articles, Bible studies, and messages, and has been influential for me in my life. I went to a conference uh, there in Atlanta years ago and was moved and informed and motivated then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've listened to him um, with some of his messages when he's come to the area, some that were significant and impactful to me. Read a lot of his books. have been very helpful. But uh, in recent years, I started having some concerns as I listened to his message and uh, what he began to say most specifically about the role of the Bible in relation to how we live out our faith. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the things that he began to emphasize around 2018 was this idea that our faith is rooted not so much in the Bible, but in the resurrection. And I kind of understand a little bit about what he's talking about, mm-hmm. but just the implications of that to me are a little dangerous. And, mm-hmm. and I think we see today why uh, as we continue. But Uh, A a quote from him was that uh, he says, Peter, James, and Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures, and my friends, we must as well. So we began to see in some of his literature and his messages this theme that our faith is not, again, based upon God's word, but it's based upon the resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, if what he meant by that was it's not based on keeping a list of rules or laws, I might understand that. Yeah. It's based on faith and what Jesus has done. I, I can get with that. Yeah. But I, I kept listening when the when those messages first started coming out. And that that wasn't exactly what he was saying. So no. I was gonna say <laughs> again, if he's trying to communicate, hey, your salvation and your standing with Jesus is not based on how much of the Bible you know or if you read your Bible or mm-hmm. not. 
that is truth. We're saved by God's grace, by the sacrifice of Jesus, and we're right. saved by by our faith. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's a gift from God, and mm-hmm. it's not just uh, in memorizing verses or in knowing the Bible or in being able to quote scripture. That's all true, right? But the implications of we're <laughs> saved by the resurrection, so we must now unhitch from the Bible, yeah, being. Um, the standard, the, standard, the guide, yeah. a, a truth at this yeah. point. It, 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 everything becomes subjective at this point. You get mm-hmm. this idea that, well, faith is what I feel that it is. And and you get this with some other messages that started to come out from Andy. You find him making statements that what we should do in every situation is what love requires. Mm-hmm. That that was a common statement he's used. Yeah, and again, his, his point was if... In the Bible, and Jesus' teaching, it is, you know, that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and right. love our neighbors as ourselves. Right. You know, and he says, this is this is the thing that we must hinge our entire life on. Right. Yeah, I yeah, agree. That's true. I agree. However, his takeaway from that was, so do what love requires of you. Yeah. Well, someone has to define what that means. What is love and how does that mm-hmm. how does that play out in our lives and what is the definition of love? So this is where we have to come back to the word of God. There has to be a standard. There has to be a definition. So uh, follow that forward to just within the last month. Some other events began to happen. Uh, Andy's Church, North Point, recently hosted uh, the Unconditional Conference, is what it was called. And it was promoted as uh, by the church as the premier event for Christian parents with LGBTQ plus children, ministry leaders, and healthcare professionals. So it was, by its promotion, designed to be for those who have children, family members, friends who are in the LGBTQ plus community and to know how to relate with them. So it's a great topic. On, on just general premise, it seems like that's a great idea. That would be helpful to people. Um, but speaking at the conference where... Um, a variety of speakers from the church and from the United States. Two of them were uh, Justin Lee and Brian Neitzel, whom Andy described as two married gay men who are also Christ followers today. So that, of course, raised lots of concerns uh, by many believers. And it began to wonder, okay, tell me what exactly is happening at this conference then? What's the point? So following the conference, an article was published by Al Mohler, who was once president of the Southern Baptist Convention and now president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. So he published an article about this conference that Andy held, and the article was entitled, The Train is Leaving the Station. And inside that article, he referred to the conference and he said, it is structured as what most evangelicals would quickly recognize as a departure from historic, normative, biblical Christianity. So that's a pretty big shots fired moment and and a necessary one to say, okay, we need to be clear on uh, what's happening here and let's understand our roots as defined for us in scripture. And Al Mohler's point was that Andy is leaving those roots, leaving what we've known of as the traditional doctrinal uh, life application stances of, of biblical Christianity. So um, Andy then responded with a message on a Sunday morning following that, which is 
Uh, as you'll hear in Andy himself say in his message, that's not typical for him. He doesn't normally respond to the critics, which is great advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he chose to on this case, um, mostly because of the size of um, or, or the position Al Mohler has and the, how wide the scope he has of influence. So um, Andy responded with an entire message from Sunday morning, a message that was not initially released. They did not broadcast it live that morning. They did not uh, put it online afterwards immediately, <clears throat> but it, it since then has been released. So as part of our podcast today, we're going to watch and slash listen to, whichever is your format in which you're listening today or, or taking part in this podcast. Mm-hmm. We're going to follow Andy and his message and pause it as, as we go along and think about what's being said here and consider, is this, is this from Scripture? Is this what the Bible says? And what are the ramifications of this? So I want to make it clear our goal today is not to criticize or bash Andy Stanley. Uh, I believe he is a, a believer. Um, he has been influential in his ministry. Our goal today is not to cause further condemnation uh, upon those who are in the LGBTQ community. Uh, our goal today is to bring clarity to what Jesus said truth and grace were meant to do, is to set the captives free. So we're going to uh, review his message, and then uh, we'll pause along the way. So you'll, if you're listening, you're going to hear another voice join us here. That'll be Andy Stanley from his message at North Point. Anything else, Trip? before we begin today? I'm excited. Can't yeah. wait for it. All right. Well, let's get started with Andy here. So thanks. Um for being here and for those of you at all of our Atlanta area churches and I think we have about 12 churches joining us live today. Thanks, um, thanks for being there. Um, and I haven't greeted everybody at North Point, so for those of you at other churches, give me just a second. If this is your first time with us, um, you came at a very unique, interesting time. In fact, you're about to learn some things about our church that will make you love us more or decide, you know, I don't think that's church for me. So it's the, really, it's the perfect time to be here and you're so welcome to be here. And I assure you, if you come back next week, it won't be this crowded. In fact, it may never be this crowded again. <laughs> but I, I'm actually, I mean, I, I keep getting p- people praying for me today, which I'm so grateful, but I'm honestly genuinely excited because I love our church and I love to brag about our church. And really today is just an opportunity that I have hoped I'd have eventually, it came sooner than I thought, to just tell you about some things about your church that you've been up to that you didn't know about, not because they were secret, but because your lives just didn't necessarily um, interface with some of these amazing environments. Now, um, that said, this is not an emotionally neutral topic. So out of sensitivity for the people around you, and this is for everybody at all of our churches, if you would, if you would please hold your booze and your applause. And I put this up here because if you say hold your booze, that can mean different things to different people. <clears throat> so I mean like this kind of booze. So hold your booze and your applause, unless you're at home, hold anything you want, but I hold your booze and your applause. And I don't mean hold them to the end. I mean just, you know, just hold them. And, um, and this, I, I, I didn't know if I should say this or not, but for those of you who are like super enthusiastic Christians, like you just preach along with me. Yeah, preach it and get them sick them. Go Andy, you know, mm-hmm. and I understand that I grew up in that tradition. If you could dial that back a little bit, really out of sensitivity to some people around you um, who may be processing some of the things I'm going to talk about for the first time in their whole life and may um, just disagree. So if, if you, if we could just be sensitive today, that would be, um, Amazing. So, 
I was going to say right off, that's just part of the master <laughs> communicator style of Andy Stanley. It's awesome. He knows how to do that. Yeah. He is the ultimate uh, communicator. A lot, a lot of, yeah. in my early days of thinking about how I wanted to communicate, he was the guy. I mean, yeah. I read his book. He's I've, I've modeled, modeled some of the things that I've done after him. So you just, you see that here at him setting this up, what, you know, he's a master at yep. knowing how to communicate well. Yep. Let's jump in. On September the 18th, which is just a couple of weeks ago, a prominent leader um, in the Southern Baptist Convention published uh, this article. Uh, so some of you have seen this. Uh, the train is leaving the station. Andy Stanley's departure from biblical uh, Christianity. Um, the, the focus of the article, for those of you who saw it, and lots and lots of people saw it, that's why we're talking about it today. The focus of the article um, was a conference that we hosted here at North Point Community Church this past Thursday and Friday, the Unconditional Conference. Now, I don't think, I, I know I've never taken a whole Sunday to, to respond to criticism from outside our organization. In fact, I don't even respond publicly to criticism that comes from outside of our organization. I've taught you for years, you're doing a great work, don't come down like Nehemiah. Well, we're doing a great work, I'm doing a great work. We don't have time to go down, you know, and, and have meaning, meaningless conversations. So I just, I don't, Respond, But because of his influence, the author of this, this article's influence, because of his influence and how widely this article has circulated in Christendom, and in light of the confusion that this article and others just like it have created for people in our church, because I've heard from you and I'm, I'm so glad you reached out, um, to, the confusion it's created in our network of churches, and then as we began to hear the confusion it's created, and I feel strange saying this, but this is the magnitude and why we're taking a Sunday to talk about it, the, the confusion is created in different parts of the world, especially with missionary organizations and churches who look to us for leadership and all of a sudden they read these articles accusing us of all kind of stuff and they begin to lose their confidence and they wonder, hey, what's going on in Atlanta and what's going on specifically with Andy? So we decided to address it. But here, here's the tricky part. Um, the way I, I view this, even though we have influence outside the walls of our church, I'm a local church pastor for, for the way I think about this. And so you, and by you, I mean anybody at any of our local churches or our network of churches, you are my first audience. So I've made it a habit to never say anything out there that I haven't said in here first. And so I feel like I need to respond out there to some of the criticism, but before I respond out there, I wanted you to hear it from me first. And that's why we chose not to stream the message online. Now, I know there are a lot of people who came from the outside because we weren't streaming it and they just can't wait to you know, get their claws into us. I get that. And we're so glad that you're here. You, we'd love for you to come every single weekend. You, you may gain a different perspective on us for sure, but maybe even the Christian faith. So I know we have some people from the outside, but this is, I guess, symbolically my way of saying, I want you to hear this from me first before the outside world hears it. So back to the article. Um, Y'all are very smart people. So all you have to do is, you know, in 30 seconds, you can read between the lines. The author is actually accusing me of departing from his version of biblical Christianity. So I want to go on record and say, I have never subscribed to his version of biblical Christianity to begin with. So I'm not leaving anything. And he, if he were here, he would say, well, Andy, I've never subscribed to your version of biblical Christianity. And that's okay. We can agree to disagree, but this is so extraordinarily misleading. And yeah. It's worth stopping. Just think about here. Cause yeah. that's a big point to say, I've never subscribed to your version of Christianity. I, I kind of get what he's saying here, but Al Mohler's yeah. uh, belief and stance about biblical faith is 
where our church lands yeah. and where many, exactly. many, many churches and Christians yeah. stand. So Andy, right off the bat, is acknowledging there's two different perspectives out there, two different approaches, two different views about how we live out our faith and what the scriptures say. Yeah, so a little history on like Al Mohler. He became president of the Southern Baptist Seminary, uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, I believe in the 90s and mm. was a part of the conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention in the yeah. year 2000. Wow. Uh, him along with Adrian Rogers, Charles Stanley, I believe. Wow. So it was in that as well. Uh, and a couple others, uh, Paige Patterson, who were influential in the Southern Baptist Convention, the convention of all the Baptist churches who have right. come together. Uh, at the time, there was a big debate on, do we subscribe to the Bible as the inerrant word of God that we model our whole Christianity and yep. churches around? Yep. He was a huge influential part of that in turning that for the whole Southern Baptist Convention and specifically for the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary where he's yeah. still the president. And at the time that he began at the time that he became president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, interestingly enough, there were even some uh, crazy leadership that was in place and there were even homosexual weddings occurring on campus wow. at that seminary. Hmm. And so Al Moeller comes in at that time and is able to, change uh, the mm. structure of what had happened there at, at that seminary at that time. This is, again, the late 90s, I believe. Um, and so he comes in at that time teaching all these things of we believe the Bible is inerrant. We believe we wrap our whole faith and everything yeah. around that. And we believe so strongly that we need to make this a new uh, Baptist faith and message and all this stuff. The year 2000 wow. comes out yeah. all that time with all these other very well-known Baptist leaders. Mm. And so to hear Andy Stanley saying, well, I actually never have subscribed to that belief ever. Well, wow. Yeah, that's okay. a bit concerning. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, to to draw that line in the sand this early in yeah. his in his message and and that deeply I have never subscribed to that yeah wow yeah that's a lot pretty crazy all right let's move on my opinion just my opinion his version of biblical Christianity is the problem his version <laughs> this version of biblical Christianity is why people are leaving Christianity unnecessarily it's the version. It's the version that causes people to resist the Christian faith because they can't find Jesus in the midst of all the other stuff and all the other theology and all the other complexity that gets globbed on. That's a big, yeah, that's a big that's statement huge. again that sh it should be troubling. Yeah. Him to say that version of Christianity, that conservative, Bible-based, mm -hmm. scripture-inerrant yeah. um, view of, of the faith is yeah. what's causing people to unnecessarily leave the church. Mm -hmm. And again, that's what Al Mohler, in a sense, hangs his hat on is those things. Now, mm -hmm. are there people who have taken that and twisted it and gone further with it and yep. are legalistic <clears throat> and are, yep. you know, heavy handed in the way that they go about their churches? Yeah, yeah. sure. Yep. Would argue that that's the case of anyone, you know, it, exactly. people can take it and twist it and all this stuff. Right. But to say his mode of church, the way right. in which he operates and believes and teaches is the reason why people are leaving the church today. Yeah. Wow. And is that really the measure of the effectiveness is whether people are leaving yeah. or staying or coming to the church? Exactly. 
Um, the scripture is clear that those who those who believe will be persecuted. There will be times mm-hmm. in which the church will not be popular, yeah. and and actually many will walk away from uh-huh. the faith. So I don't know that that's really a fair measure then of mm-hmm. either a person's true hold on <laughs> on Jesus and 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 faith is that yeah. more and more people come. I think it's great when they do. Yeah, but absolutely. To say um, your your wrong belief is causing him to leave, uh, I don't know. Or yeah, exactly. You could you could argue that in the other direction as well because there are plenty exactly. of churches who are popular today, who are operating in what would, I would think would be error. Yeah, and truth. I mean, again, Andy Stanley, from what he's teaching <clears throat> here, hey, let's unhitch from the Bible, mm-hmm. and hey. Let's have homosexuals come and be teaching in our church, right. and we're in charge of forty thousand. Is it? Does the number then determine? Hey, yeah. we're doing does good. Does it justify or it? Does the life change that's happening? What is that? You know, yep. where does that factor in all yep. this stuff as well? Yep. The message. Bottom line, that version of Christianity draws lines, and Jesus drew circles. He drew circles so large and included so many people in his circle that it consistently made religious leaders nervous. And his circle was big enough to include sinners like me. And I come from a long line of sinners like me. That's a pretty important point again Andy's making here that Jesus didn't draw lines. Jesus drew circles. Jesus was inclusive, and uh, others were the ones who were exclusive. Yeah. I think we can all know and remember plenty of occasions in Scripture where Jesus drew deep lines. You know, if anyone is unwilling to take up their cross and deny themselves and follow me, they cannot be my disciple. That is not, oh, come on, everyone. Yeah, Uh, there there were plenty that were offended at the message of Jesus and left. And they many, weren't offended because he drew circles and included them. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't inclusiveness that uh-huh. it that was, happened. it was exclusiveness yeah. that caused them to be offended and angered. So yeah. I, I'm having so many you know, struggles already with the things, Start, these yeah. big statements that exactly. he's, that he's making. No Eric church fans in the crowd. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. Um, The good news is, now the good news is, this article actually gives me an opportunity to talk about some things, again, I am so proud of, but there's just never been an opportunity to talk about it. So today, I'm gonna tell you the backstory to the current story, and then talk about our story moving forward. So we gotta go back in time for a few years. In 2014, um, Tom Sheffshunas and Kevin Ragsdale, who oversaw our amazing network of middle school and high school ministries throughout our network of churches, uh, I think it was Tom that first came to me, he said, Andy, um, more and more middle school students are coming coming out to their small group leaders about their same-sex attraction. And we had already seen this begin to happen with high school students coming out to their small group leaders. And so Tom and Kevin said, hey, Andy, our small group leaders and, and, our, and, our, and our volunteers, they just don't feel equipped to talk to a middle school or a high school student about same-sex attraction. And would you put together a training to help our leaders um, you know, know what to do with this? Well, to me, that is an extraordinary win. This is, you know, this is almost 10 years ago. Once upon a time, I don't have to tell you this, once upon a time, the last place a middle school student or a high school student was gonna talk about their same-sex attraction, the last place they were gonna talk about it was where? 
in church. And now they feel confident and they feel connected to where they can talk about the most sensitive area of their life with their small group leader in church. I'm telling you, I'm so proud of our church and our volunteers and this incredible system that Kevin engineered all those years ago that's so relationally driven. So in spite of the fact that it created some tension, I thought, what a win for the church and what a win for us. Now, to catch some of you up on some of the language I'm gonna use for the next few minutes, this is very important. When a Christian middle school student or a Christian high school student comes out about same-sex attraction, they have rarely, rarely, rarely ever engaged in any same-sex behavior. And this is an important distinction because of the way terminology is thrown around and unfortunately the way Christians throw it around sometimes. To the contrary, the realization that they are even drawn in the direction of same-sex attraction is terrifying to a middle schooler and terrifying to a high school student. They don't embrace it. They resist it. They try to convince themselves that what they're feeling isn't real. They can try to convince themselves that perhaps this is just, just going to go away. If I don't think about it, if I don't tell anybody, maybe it's just going to go away. And most are overwhelmed with a sense of something is wrong with me, even though I haven't done anything wrong. Something is deeply wrong with me, even though I haven't done anything wrong. And they find themselves in a battle, not against a behavior. They find themselves in a battle against a defining attraction that they did not choose, but some Let me play just that. somehow has chosen them. Okay, yeah, there's a lot to think about here. Can you imagine that in youth ministry? I yeah. mean, there's a, I get what he's saying. You want to create an environment where there yeah. is freedom yeah. to talk about your deepest struggles. Yeah. And that is incredible that, you know, that that's awesome. Wow, people have opened up that deeply to yep. leaders. Here, here are my insecurities. Here are my fears. Here are my yep. doubts. Temptations, um, all this stuff. Yeah. But the church can't just be a place where we dump all that, but there has to be an answer for that. So I, I can see where he would say that's a win that they yeah. provided an environment where people were open, be able to talk about their struggles. Now, toward the end there of what he said that this was not something they found, but something that found them, that yeah. this was their, he alluded to, this was their identity. This was who they are. Yeah. This is a little troubling to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, from what the Bible teaches, homosexuality is a sin just like all other sins. Mm -hmm. It's not... Oh, and these people were born homosexuals, right? right? And so, again, that's a huge defining piece is yeah. do do you believe that someone is born this way? Yep. Or is this a result of what has happened to them? Therefore, they're choosing this way. Right. And I think, like you said, you, you know, put any other sin in that, that spot yep. right there. Uh, I feel uh, a need to want to hate certain people in my life. Well, I just have the identity of a hater. Yeah. Exactly. So is that, is that I'm just an should, angry person. You should just be accepted in that, yeah. tolerated, ex, ex, under, helped to understood, understand yeah. that's just your identity. Or I, you know, I, I feel greedy. I want to take from people. I want to steal what people have. Well, this is just your identity. Well, yeah. I, I lust, I, I lust yeah. a lot. So, exactly. well, that's just your identity. You're yeah. just a, a lustful person. Uh-huh. The, the Bible nowhere says to no. lean into the yeah. temptation That's that is in front of you. 
So I was going to say, it's because of a temptation. It's like, wow, this is so awesome that these people are vocalizing them to their temptations. Yes, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. That's a win. Right. To where someone says, man, I feel compelled to do this. What's wrong? What's wrong with me? Yeah. We have we have people saying <clears throat> that same thing. I'm, sure. Pornography is tempting me. What's yeah. wrong? Is there something wrong with me? Is this, yes. is this who I am? Will I, will I always be this way? To where we answer with the truth, no. Yeah. This uh, is not who you are. Right. And this doesn't this does not and doesn't have to define who you are. Yeah. I'm drawn to anxiety. Well, yeah. the culture today would say, well, that's just your identity. Yeah. You're, you, Sorry, you have an ha- anxious bent. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you're just I'm I'm drawn to and I'm bent toward depression. Yeah. Well, that's just that's just you. That's just your identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's terrible. There's no that good is the news. That's not good in that. news. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to, to lean into this idea that, well, it's good that they acknowledge it. And now we want to help them just identify with that Mm -hmm. goes on. And they pray and they pray and they pray. The truth is the majority of gay adults acknowledge that at some point in their lives, they ask God to take it away. In my experience, I've talked to many, 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 many gay men in particular. And I would say they don't just ask God to take it away. They beg God to take it away. They weep and ask God to take it away. They're afraid of disappointing their parents. Depending on the church that they attend, they are literally afraid they are going to hell. Not because of anything they've done, but because of who they are because of the message, not of culture, the message of the church. That's a big deal he just said right there. Not because of what they've done, but because of who they are. He is, Andy is suggesting this is just who they are. They can't help it. And they've even asked God to take it away, beg God to take it away. And here's, here's the part I just really, again, struggle with because his, his answer to that is, and God did not. It's terrible. Therefore, the conclusion that this is just how they are. And it even kind of is a, a blame on God. Yeah. He, he did this. Yeah. And then, and then in turn, now blaming the church because you're not just accepting the way that God created them. Right, right. And so again, just thinking of it as uh, this is a temptation mm-hmm. for homosexual, uh, you know, relations or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have this attraction. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a temptation for that. They pray and pray and pray and pray and pray that the temptation would be taken away. Mm-hmm. The temptation's not taken away. Therefore, this is who I am. Again, you swap any other sin into that. Yeah. And people would say, well, hey, hold on. That's That sounds crazy. I have a temptation for alcohol. And guess what? I pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. The temptation is taken away and say it's not. Does, does that mean, well, therefore, God just created you to be an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've tried to, uh, I've tried to change my eating habits, yep. you know, and I and beg I God, and I, I beg God. God I, I hadn't yeah. said that, yeah, exactly. you know, any, uh, any addict to anything. Yeah. God, I beg you, please take away this anxious spirit. God, I beg you, please yeah. take away lustful thoughts. God, yeah. I beg you, please take away take the away spirit distraction. of comparison, uh-huh. whatever, yep. laziness. Yeah. Uh, every Christian that. begs for God to take away yes. those things. And just because it doesn't vanish is not God's fault in that moment. Exactly. There are steps of faith that are required and obedience that are required. And to 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 put the blame back on God here yeah. is just 
uh, incredibly um, insane a, a slap against <laughs> yes. the truth of Scripture. Yes. Because again, you have this other question that well, okay, well, where's the line for praying? Mm-hmm. Is it? And they begged and begged and begged for two months, and then yep. And that, or is it? They begged and begged and begged for five years, and then it didn't. They begged and begged and begged for ten years, and then it didn't. Yeah. Well, where's the line? What's right. what's the stopping point? You know, right. because it can't just be. And they prayed, and then God mm-hmm. rarely just takes away a, you know, temptation just because. You know, out yeah. Of here. I mean, James says, um, "For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone." Mm-hmm. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Yeah. Then when sin or when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, which is full grown, brings forth death. So, yep. uh, to put that on God as yep. though He is the one who either sent the design or sent the tempt, yeah, uh, is uh, is an affront to Scripture in its own design. Let's continue. Implications are this: that most, not all. I want to be careful. Most gay men or women you know, once upon a time, they were a kid with a terrifying secret and they asked God to change them and God did not answer their prayer. So Kevin and Chef asked me to do this. I'm thinking, oh, I'd be happy to, except I don't know anything about that exactly. So we did some investigation. There were virtually, there were really no resources to talk specifically about what we were going to talk about, but I felt, you know, I want to help our small group leaders. So uh, I put together a training um, and I'll tell you where I got the content in just a minute. And so we gathered right here in this room at North Point Community Church. There were hundreds of small group leaders from all of our campuses. And I invited all the high school students who led small groups of middle schoolers because they were, could be part of this conversation. And the theme that night was this, the church should be the safest place on the planet for students to talk about anything, including same-sex attraction. In fact, I told everybody in the room, hey, when people ask you, hey, what was that meeting about that you went to at the church? I want you to say this, the church should be the safest place on the planet for students to talk about anything, including same-sex attraction. I had him say it over and over and over because that was the theme and that's what we believe. The church should be the safest place on the planet. And the fact that middle schoolers and high school students were coming out to their small group leader Amazing. Again, I'm just so proud of our church. So in preparing for this, you know, our presentation I did on, a, I think it was a Thursday night. Um, again, I couldn't find any helpful resources. So I knew who could answer this question best. Some months earlier, I had met with about 15 gay adult attenders who attended our campuses that we had contacted through the years. And I always was wondering, why do you attend our church? You know, I mean, based on how we teach and preach and I mean, why do you attend? So I'd had this fascinating conversation. So I knew a bunch of their stories. So I emailed, I think six or seven of them. And I said, I'm putting this training together. You know, I'm kind of making some of this stuff up but you've had a bad church experience that I know you don't want repeated for this generation of kids with same-sex attraction. So help me out. And I asked several questions. This is one of the questions I ask them. How do you wish the church had responded when you came out? In other words, what would have made a difference in your life? Because all of them that I had talked to, they all grew, all of them grew up in church. In fact, 86% of LGBTQ plus folks in the United States grew up in church, but they leave church at twice the rate of straight people. So I knew they'd grown up in church, had bad church experience. So I asked him, what would help us help this student, group of students not experience what you did and, and that you experienced in your local church? 
Um, what can we do to ensure that our same-sex attracted students don't have a church experience like yours and lose their faith along the way? And they all responded. And I sat at my kitchen counter and I just wept. And their insight and input was gold. It was so helpful, but the reason it was so emotional to me, because I already knew some of their stories, the reason it was so emotional was because all of them began this way. I can't believe anyone in the church is even interested in my story. I can't believe a pastor is actually asking me to help with ministry. And I just cried. So I took what they had, what they gave me, incredible insight, put it together. We did this training. Again, some of you, I, I, I'm sure that some of you were there that night for that. Um, our, our students were appreciative. The leaders were appreciative. And then our student pastors at our different campuses, of course, they were all in networks of student pastors and other churches. They began talking about it. And other churches said, hey, can we have that? Can we use that? And we were very hesitant. I mean, this is, you know, uh, about 10 years ago. And, you know, this whole conversation is so delicate, but it's so extremely important. So we just gave it away to pastors, youth pastors that wanted to show it. And then we began to hear back from youth pastors that said, hey, I watched it, I, my small group leaders need this so, so, so much. But if I showed this to my student, to my volunteers, I would lose my job. Now, pause there. A few years before that, and I can't do this in chronological order, you'll understand why in a minute. Back in 2011, okay, we're 2023. Back in 2011, um, our care network began getting more and more calls from parents whose kids had come out to them about their same-sex attraction, or in some cases, their kids just announced to the parents, hey, mom, dad, I'm gay. And the parents did, just didn't know what to do with this, so they called the church. They're like, can anybody at the church talk to my son or my daughter? Is there somebody I can meet with? We don't know what to do. This took us by surprise. My kids were raised in church. They made a profession of faith. They were baptized, and now suddenly they're telling me they're gay, and we don't know what to do. These were middle school students, high school students, college students, um, kids in their 20s. Um, Lynn McDonald, who I'll tell you more about in a minute, she says this, they, she and Greg have a gay son. And here's what she said, this is so instructive. She said, when our children come out of the closet and we discover our child is LGBTQ+, most Christian parents, most Christian parents go into the closet where many experience isolation and depression. Being in the closet prolongs your pain. Being in the closet prolongs your pain. This past weekend at the Unconditional Conference that we hosted, there was a father who shared his story. He said he got a call late one night. It was his son. He said, Dad, I'm in North Carolina. I'm in the hospital. I just tried to take my life. And before his dad could respond, he said, and the next thing out of his son's mouth was, I'm gay. And as he told his story, he said, hey, you know, parents go into the closet. He said, but for me and for, for my wife, when we found out our son was gay, I went into one closet and she went into a different closet and then we both just turned out the lights because we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to feel. We felt like failures as parents. And Christian parents with gay kids very rarely ever talk about it with anyone. They say they don't even talk about it with their closest friends and they're certainly not gonna talk about it with their church friends. And parents wonder, what did we do wrong? How could we have kept this from happening? Is this our fault? Why our child? I prayed for my son every single morning. Moms, you know, the prayers of a mother. I prayed for my daughter every single day. How could this happen? 
So Debbie Causey, who runs our uh, network of, of care throughout of all of our campuses, she said, Andy, there's, we're getting all these calls. Is it okay if I st start a small group and maybe put the, these parents together um, so we don't have to meet one-on-one, -on -one, there's too many? And I said, absolutely do that. And that group grew and grew and grew and outgrew a house and outgrew another house. And in the 2015, that group divided into three groups. And currently there are about 350 um, parents in these various Parent Connect groups. And that's what we, she decided to call it, Parent Connect. And our ministry that's been a part of our church for years and years and years, Parent Connect was born out of that need. I was gonna say, from, from the surface, all that stuff is just like, that's insane. All yeah. these Christian parents who mm -hmm. were such great faithful followers of Jesus and they attended their churches and they did all these things and their kids just all of a sudden randomly just said, I'm gay. Right. Out of the blue, no right. reason why. I mean, to to the just person listening is like, yeah. oh my goodness. Wow, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. There's, there's no backstory. There's no personal. There's no right. understanding dynamic and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's sad. I mean, I, I, I applaud them for wanting to do something to yeah. help those parents. That that needs to be done. Now, yeah. I think the question is what? What do you do in that moment? And I think that's I think that's probably where we're ultimately headed here. Is what do you so what is the answer? Uh, is mm -hmm. this is this then God's design for that child? Yeah. Or is it possible that there was something that happened, an event, mm -hmm. a trauma? a hurt in some way yeah. that is what needs to be healed yeah. rather than accepting the effects of the wound, yeah. looking to heal the root of the wound. Could it be that they could truly be set free? I think, again, if you understand that this lifestyle is not just a lifestyle choice, it is, it is a sin. So it's the reflection of a choice. Mm -hmm. It's a response and we dealt with in our, our, our last podcast that often this need to have to identify with something different than God's design for your life comes from a place of, I don't like who I am. I don't yeah. like what's been done to me. I don't like what I've done. I feel the need to identify as something else. I get it. That's mm -hmm. the basis of our faith. We turn to Jesus in that to be freed from it not lean in it to own it, identify with it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I get the desire to want to help parents and that that's a worthy goal. The, the question is, is what do you tell them? The Parent Connect groups meet once a month and I love the purpose. Debbie wrote this and I quote this all the time. In fact, if you're a parent, this is just a great parenting strategy. Here's the purpose of Parent Connect. It's three things. To help parents love their child well, every parent already loves their child. But when your child comes out as gay or, or says they're gay or struggling with same-sex attraction or just embraces that identity and says, mom, this is who I am, dad, this is who I am, and you can say what you want, but this is who I am. In those moments, learning how to love your child in a different way and to love your child well is a skill in some ways that you have to develop even though you already love them in your heart. Because generally speaking, the first words that come out of a parent's mouth in those moments aren't the right words. And understandably so, because their child has been processed, this is so important, their child has been processing this for months. In some cases, they've been processing this for years and mom and dad had no idea. And they finally got the courage to come out. And now mom and dad are starting a journey that their child has been in, in some cases, for many, many 
years. So the three purposes, to love their child well, number two, to help their child, to, to help parents point their child toward Jesus. This is what Parent Connect does because kids detach from their, oftentimes detach from their faith depending on the church they're in, depending on the language their parents have used, depending on the language their parents use when they respond to their kids. So to teach parents how, even if you're not so sure, you disagree with the decisions your kids have made, how to continue to point them to Jesus. And the number three, and this is the most important one, I love this. And also to help parents discover what God wants to do in their own hearts. Because parents, you know this, and grandparents, we parent through the filters of our heart. We parent through the filter of our insecurities. We parent through the filters of our fears. And we parent through the filters of our hopes and dreams for our kids, right? And when a young man or young woman comes out to their parents that they're gay or whatever term they use, in that moment, the parents' insecurities and fears skyrocket. And in that moment, their hopes and dreams for their children vanish. And that's a place a parent never wants to be. So again, some, much of what is happening here is what's not being said and then the underlying tones of what is said. Yeah. So again, even by just continuing to use the phrase, come out, come out, that's a... Yeah. That's a picture that says, well, this is who I really am. Yeah. I'm just coming out with who I really am. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that acknowledges this as a confession or a need for change. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing here. There was nothing in those goals or purpose that says to help heal what has been wounded, yeah. to help restore what has been broken, yeah. to help set them free. They're all more along the lines of affirming affirm, affirm, their, affirm. their lifestyle and affirm for yourself that this is the way it's going to be. Uh-huh. This doesn't fit yeah, with what me, I understand of things, scripture. Yeah, it's like all these things are are nice, gentle, kind um ways to navigate the world, but it's not like and here is where the scriptures intervenes with the way in which we parent. Yeah. Do they need to be loved? Of course. Yeah. Most likely a deep wound has happened, some something yeah. traumatic has happened. And they're needing answers yeah. for that. Or and they, and they mm -hmm. according to Andy, they actually do want to be free mm -hmm. if they yeah. beg God for that. So why would we not then be leaning into, let me help you yeah. be free from what has taken a hold in your heart, that desire yeah. that has come out um, that you want to see taken away. Yeah. And I will say just one more thing. Again, like in this, it's for the person who feels like they need to come out, it's it may not have been something like traumatic, bad, like terrible at one point or an abuse Singular or something like event. that. But it could have been a lack of grounding, a lack of- Truth. um an absence of something. Filled. Exactly, and mm -hmm. that, that is what creates this void as well. Yeah. And they find themselves there suddenly. So then Debbie came along and she said, I've got another idea. She said, now that we've got all these Parent Connect groups, I want to do a quarterly event where we bring all of them together so that they can see each other in one room at one time. Because on this journey, on this journey, knowing you are not alone is encouraging, it's extremely encouraging. But knowing that you are not alone at your church is life-giving. For some parents, they would say it was breathtaking. So once a quarter on a Thursday night here at North Point Community Church over in the attic where middle school meets on Sunday morning, we have an event, Debbie hosts this event. 
there's generally 150 or so parents and now they've invited their high school kids depending on what they're doing that night to attend as well. And they'll have a speaker or they'll have a panel, they'll have somebody that tells their story. And parents, oftentimes, they, weren't, they don't wanna to go to somebody's home and sort of you know, out themselves as a parent with an LGBTQ plus kid. So they'll come to this quarterly gathering knowing there's more people and they imagine it, they pull up in the parking lot behind the building and they sit and they have to talk themselves into going in because who's in there? Who am I gonna see? What am I saying about myself as a parent? What am I saying about one of my children? And if they get the courage to get out of the car and walk up those steps and walk in that room, something amazing happens. They are not alone and they are not alone at their church. I love this statement. This is from the Parent Connect literature that, they, that they've created. And, I, and, and in some ways, this is the problem you have been addressing for years and you didn't even know it. That's why I love my church, I love our church. And this is, this is the problem that every church should address. And one of the frustrations for me about all the criticism we've received and all the criticism you've received, and I know this sounds more arrogant than I mean for it to, I'm like, you shouldn't be criticizing us. You should come and learn from us. We've been doing this for years. Every evangelical, every conservative church needs to figure this out. And I work with some of the most, the greatest staff in the world who have waded into this messy situation. And I'm not saying kids are a mess or parents are a mess. I'm just saying it is, it is messy because of the, the messaging of, of the church for many, many years that have just discounted this whole topic. So here's, here's what I love. Just have to pause. So it's messy because of the church's message. That's, yeah. it's the church's fault that this has happened. And uh, I, I just wonder, okay, well, if, if Jesus came to set the captives free, then where are the stories coming out of North Point of, well, we've been at this a long time. We've yeah. impacted a lot of people. Here are the success stories of people who have been set free from this lifestyle of sin. Where are those stories? I, I, that, yeah. that breaks my heart because yeah. it sounds like we've been at this a long time and they're all here, but they're still in it. And, That's they, would, sad. and they would say that that is the, they are free in who they believe they are. <laughs> yeah. That, that is what I believe they would say their win is. All right. We yeah. look at all these people who say they're free in their homosexuality now. Right. You know, it does, it does appear that way. This is what I think Debbie wrote this. She said, ours should be. Ours should be the last generation of parents and families in the local church who go through this experience feeling isolated and without hope. In other words, let's put an end to this. Let's create co communities inside of our church where again, as I said to that group, you know, almost 10 years ago, the church should be the safest place on the planet for students to talk about anything, including same-sex attraction. And the church should be the safest place on the planet for parents to talk about anything, including their kids who are struggling with and wrestling with same-sex attraction or their kids that have just come out and embraced the identity of mom, dad, I'm gay. Moving on. They've just embraced the identity yep. of gay. Yep. And that should be a safe place for that to happen. Yeah. I, I just, I disagree. I, disagree I, I want the church to be a safe place, but I, it also has to be safe for the family who's raising their children in biblical truth. They don't want to sit, they don't want to have their children sitting in a circle who's, 
with another child who's saying, I am embracing my identity as a trans. And everyone claps them on. And, and says, the church yeah. celebrating that. That's that's not the environment we're yeah. to create. Exactly. And again, just it goes to show with Andy Stanley, expert communicator, you know, the whole oh, time yeah. tugging on the heartstrings. Oh, yeah. Golly, for the parent who's struggling and all this <laughs> yeah, stuff. And I get it. We got a great place for you. We're going to invite you and come on, come in here. Yeah. We got a great spot for you. It, for, it's, for, yeah. It's the subtext that you have to listen to yeah, in again, all this. With the idea of I've never subscribed to the theology and to the understanding that the church should be based solely on the inerrancy of scripture. Yeah. That's the underlying, <clears throat> this is where I stand. Yeah. That we are here to be a good old community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that other version is causing people to leave. Yeah. In 2013, um, Greg and Lynn McDonald, who had moved to Atlanta pretty recently, began attending Gwinnett Church. Um, 12 years earlier, before that time, their son, Greg Jr., had, he was 17 years old, or 17 or 18 years old. Um, he was found out and eventually and, and immediately came out. Um, Greg Jr. was raised in church. The, the McDonald's are conservative Christians, Bible-believing Christians. Um, their son and daughter grew up going to Christian school. So this took them by complete surprise. Like they just didn't see this coming at all. They said, we felt like we had to choose between our faith and our child. This is a tension. Just about every conservative or evangelical Christian family feels when one of their kids comes out. I feel like based on the, what I was taught, how the Bible was taught to me, I, 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 I can either hang on to my faith or I can hang on to my child, but how do I hang on to both? Lynn says, she shared some the last couple of days. She said, I became Bible mama. Bible mom, it's like, if I can just feed my son enough Bible verses, certainly he's gonna realize I'm not really gay or this is wrong or I need to change or I need to stop or I need to quit. And she said, I just kept feeding verse after verse after verse and we would have these discussions, she said, until we didn't because he just stopped engaging in the conversation. Their story is they completely alienated their son. They did it all wrong. Good motives, love their son, did it wrong. And then God began to do a work in their heart and they quit trying to change him and they discovered new ways to love him. And then they began to rebuild the relationship. So when they began going to Gwinnett Church, they found out about Parent Connect and they sat down with Debbie and Bill and Willis and they said, hey, we wanna help. I mean, we wanna help other parents not experience what we've experienced. We did it all wrong. We wanna help other parents get this right. We don't want another generation of gay kids or kids who grab that, that, that title or grab that identity. We don't want another generation of same-sex attracted kids or gay kids to feel like they have to leave their faith and leave the church. There's gotta be a better way forward. We wanna help you figure that out. So we don't want them to leave their identity. We just want them to keep their identity but not have to leave the church. Again, the subtext here is, no, this is who they identify as. This is actually who they are, and the church should be the one to adopt and adapt to them. Yeah. Again, it's like the, from what that sounds like is, hey, it's it's more important to have a big, strong community than to have convictions. That's how that comes across to me, yeah. you know? And, and to help them be set free. Yeah, that exactly. Should, that's, that should not be the goal is what the implication is of what yeah. saying. It should not be to help free them and free them from yeah. whatever hurt event belief system within them brought yep. them to this place. Yep. Um, but instead to help them 
to be loved in their identity. Yeah, and again, one more thing, like with his points being do what love requires of you, mm-hmm. that's that's totally just playing out here. You yeah. know, it's, well, what does love require of me? How do I love my child mm-hmm. better? Well, what is love? You know, mm-hmm. for them, love would be that they would stay close and that I would accept them and all that yep. stuff. It's tough. It is. So they had lunch. And in the lunch, Debbie and Bill said to Greg and Lynn, you know what? Because of your season of life and because of your life experience, we don't think, instead of just helping us, we think you should do something nationally. So they sort of cast the vision. Why don't you do something digitally for parents all over the country, maybe all over the world, to use your experience to help parents navigate um, this revelation when, it, when it's revealed to them that one of their kids is gay or, or LGBTQ plus or whatever their children are wrestling with at the time. What, why, don't, why don't you expand this beyond just uh, you know, local churches in Atlanta? So as they begin to talk, that, that idea was born. And at the time, um, Lynn, um, Greg and Lynn, Lynn's, Lynn had, was at the tail end of her her journey with cancer. And so her signature sign off for her email was always embracing the journey, Lynn McDonald. And Debbie said, well, in terms of a name for this ministry, I think you've got a name for this ministry. I think you just call it embracing the journey. And so the ministry of embracing the journey with Greg and Lynn McDonald was born. They created digital groups all over the country. They began to coach and counsel with pastors whose kids had come out. And you know, when a pastor's child comes out and if you're in the very conservative church, suddenly mom and dad don't know what to do. Suddenly imagine this, you are pastoring a church where your child isn't welcome. You are pastoring a church and you have to keep what's going on in your family a secret from the church people. Otherwise, you will feel judged and alienated by the people you are shepherding. So they began to meet and to counsel and have expanded and just created incredible goodwill and have done amazing things. They do Zoom calls with missionaries all over the world. Missionaries who've said, if my mission board found out about my daughter, they probably would kick me off the mission field. If my, if my support group, my financial support group found out about my son, I would lose my financial support. Those kinds of situations. So time went by, they wrote a book called Embracing the Journey. It's available, it's their story. Last year, Greg and Lynn then reached out and said, hey, we wanna do a conference. We do all of our ministry you know, digitally, but we'd like to do a conference that we can invite parents with LGBTQ plus kids and we wanna invite some experts to talk to them to help them take their next step, make sure that they're healthy personally, make sure that their marriages are healthy as they you know, continue this journey with their precious children. And we wanna call it the Unconditional Conference. And so, of course, we said, well, sure. I mean, we've, already, we've been in this space for 10 years. Why wouldn't we host the conference? Well, as soon as they began marketing the conference, all the Christian critics pounced. They were, what they said about Greg and Lynn was cruel. What they said about Debbie Causey and Al was cruel. What they said about you was cruel. You need to flee the church. Andy's a heretic. He's sending people to hell. You know, I don't know if you saw some of the stuff, hopefully not. I look at it all. I never turn away from criticism. It's the only way to learn. And sometimes I go, huh, I hope heaven's big and we're different areas of it. Anyway, sorry. Um, No clapping, remember no clapping, yeah. (laughs) I I would have clapped at that, anyway. Um, so the, and, and, and they came after, they, they came after me and the criticism on that, and again, the criticism toward the conference was so intense. Two of the primary communicators and presenters pulled out. One is a household name in Christendom, one of the most famous authors in the United States. I would say 20% of you at least have read at least one or two of his books. 
And he said, I just can't drag my family through this because of the, the online um, criticism. The problem is, or a big part of the problem is, the critics of the conference, they never took time to discover the actual purpose of the unconditional conference. The story became, Andy Stanley is hosting a gay affirming conference at North Point Community Church. And many of you saw bits and pieces and podcasts and articles. And uh, uh, so of course, since you didn't know anything about the conference, you didn't know anything about our history in this space. Of course, some of you were confused. Some of you were, and some of you are mad and angry and families have left our church. And Diane, my assistant for 25 years, um, this year, she would tell you, anybody that called, texted, voicemail, email, I responded to personally. I just, lie. there were days I met with three families at a time to say, here's what's going on. Here's the backstory. Most of them are like, oh, thank you. I didn't know that. Others of them are like, honestly, Andy, I just don't believe you. And you know, we're out. And it's why I chose to spend an entire Sunday talking about this. So the purpose of the unconditional conference was not to equip parents to convince their gay kids that they weren't gay or shouldn't be gay. That was not the purpose of the conference. Every parent who attended the conference had already tried that, right? Christian parents of LGBTQ plus kids go there immediately. They pull out the verses, they argue. They, I mean, that's just, that's just where parents go. They pull out the convince, convict, coerce, control. Convince, convict, coerce, control. Convict, convict, you know, convince, convict, coerce, control. And just as a parenting strategy in general, how effective is that? I mean, that doesn't work with your kids. That didn't work on you when you were a kid. The purpose of the conference wasn't to equip parents to debate with their kids. The purpose of the conference, of the unconditional conference, was to equip parents to connect with their kids and to reconnect with their kids and to stay connected with their kids so they would have influence to keep their kids connected to their faith and keep their kids connected to Jesus. I mean, there's some parts out there that are yeah, admirable. I, I, I agree. That but sounds all like, wow, that's a great, solid vision statement for a conference. Yeah, but nowhere in it is to help set them free from what caused this to begin with, Yeah, what, where the root is, so that they don't have to keep living a lifestyle that statistically has yep. much more anxiety, depression, and yep. suicide attempts. Yep. And that is counter to the ways of scripture. Yep. So to just connect, I get if there's been some broken relationships there, yes, they those do need, to be, need to be restored. In fact, often, yes. That is part of where that root is. Yeah. There has been a break in one of the parental relationships and hurt so deep that it has caused confusion on the inside. Yep. And those need to be restored. Those need to be healed. Uh, things that have happened to a young person outside of the home that has been said or done that, yep. that needs to be healed and restored. Connection's great, but toward what end? What's the end goal of the connection? Just to connect or yeah. to actually help them be free? Yep. So the 10 presenters, or there are a few more of that, I think, than that, but the 10 plus presenters that the McDonald's invited to speak at their conference, they chose the presenters based on that purpose. This wasn't a debate. This wasn't one side's gonna present and the other side. It wasn't, wasn't that at all. They had healthcare professionals, marriage counselors, mental health professionals, some pastors. They invited me to speak. I said, I don't wanna speak, but if you wanna interview me, I'd be happy to be a part of this. I'm so proud of our church for hosting this. The presenters, these were presenters, the McDonald's knew, this is so important, 
The presenters they chose were presenters that Greg and Lynn knew from their personal experience would be most helpful for these parents. And they should know because they are one of those parents. And this is why Justin and Brian were invited, the two married gay men at the center of all the controversy. And I'm sure that you've read all about that. And here's the thing about Brian and Justin. Their stories and their journeys of growing up in church and maintaining their faith in Christ and their commitment to follow Christ all through their high school and college and singles and all up to the time that they were married. Their story is so powerful for parents of gay, especially kids, that it's a story gay parents with gay kids need to hear. It is virtually impossible, and you know this if you stop to think about it, it is virtually impossible for a straight heterosexual parent to understand what's going on in the heart and mind of their same-sex attracted child when oftentimes their own child can't or won't verbalize it. And these two guys have an incredible way of helping parents understand what's going on in the mind and the heart specifically of their gay kids. They do an incredible job helping Christian parents understand because they have been where those parents' children are. Now, the other thing that the critics didn't know, and I'm glad they didn't, but it's okay, they're going to now, um, both, both Brian and Justin had already spoken at our church on separate occasions at the quarterly gathering of Parent Connect. So we had already heard what they were gonna say. We already knew how effective they were um, connecting with parents of, of gay kids in particular. So this wasn't a surprise. This wasn't a guess. This, isn't, this wasn't a, hey, I, I hope this works out. These guys are so excited about what we are doing because they, like you, like me, like compassionate Christians, don't want another generation of LGBTQ plus kids to feel like, hey, who I think I am is incompatible with at least attempting to follow Jesus and it's incompatible with the church because there is a bridge and these guys are bridge builders. And again, they know that I don't line up with everything with them theologically or the way they interpret certain passages of scripture, but hey, the conference wasn't for me. The conference wasn't for most of you. I guarantee you the conference wasn't for any of the critics because the moment or the day that they discover one of their children or one of their grandchildren claims to be gay or transgender or questioning, they are gonna scramble for people that can help them get inside the hearts and minds of their children. That's what good parents do. So we knew exactly what they were going to talk about at the conference. Um, but again, this, and again, this was not a theology conference. It wasn't a Bible conference. It was a pastoring conference. And I just want to say the conference as though, was as though those, though those two things are different. Yeah. You know, lifestyle, theological <laughs> and Bible. Those are, those don't have anything to do with one another. I mean, maybe no. I kind of get what he might be saying, but Still, you can't, you can't subtract yeah. all of that. You can't exactly. compartmentalize exactly. all of that. And again, his comment that we don't want another generation to think that their lifestyle and identity is incompatible with the faith. Sorry. Again, That's... the subtext here is, it, it is. It's a, uh, a definable, acceptable identity and lifestyle, and the church should do its part in accepting it. That's the, that's the yep. subtext to what he's saying. 
Oh my goodness, it was just amazing. I was so proud of our church. Anyway, now, based on, all how, based on how all of this was presented by our online critics, I understand the confusion. I understand some of the anger that you've experienced toward me, that you feel like somebody's doing something behind your back. I understand the embarrassment some of you had. People were sharing with you what your pastor said. Did you know your pastor said this? You're like, oh my goodness, I've never heard him say that, but here it is in an article written by somebody I don't know. I'm sure it's true. Um, so I understand people are giving you articles and sending you stuff and you're like, I had no idea this was going on in my church, so I'm so sorry for the confusion. Um, that's why I wanted to take an entire Sunday to talk about it. Now, turning the corner. If I'm sitting out here and I'm a parent or a grandparent, here's what I'm thinking about now. Okay, Andy, that's fascinating. Didn't know any of that. That sounds pretty good. But, but, but tell me, assure me, reassure me. What do we believe? What does our church believe? In churches our size, you can find individuals who believe just about anything, everything, and nothing. The better question, perhaps, is this question. What do we teach? What do we teach your children, your grandchildren? What do we teach about these issues? And it's the same thing we have taught for 28 years. Nothing has changed. Again, I tell you all the time, Sandra and I raised our kids in these environments. We are thoroughly satisfied customers. The thought that somebody is leaving our church over misinformation and pulling their kids out of our fabulous environments, that breaks my heart. Their parents are gonna be fine. You can find good preaching, you know, just about anywhere. But the environments that we've created for kids are, they are the best. Again, thoroughly satisfied customers. But as it relates to sexuality, here's what we teach. And hopefully you know this. I feel like if you've been coming for a while, there, there should be no question about this, but I don't mind just putting it out there. We teach what I refer to as a New Testament sexual ethic. In fact, I wrote a whole book about this, the new rules for love, sex, and dating. My son, Andrew, calls it loving sex and dating. I'm like, that's not the name of the book. It's the new rules for love, sex, and dating. So from middle school to high school, to college, to singles, to marriage, to single, single again, every age and stage of life, this is what we teach. Whether a student is straight or gay or questioning, this is what we say. Hey, if you're gonna follow Jesus while you're figuring this out, if you're gonna follow Jesus as you struggle with your identity or some of the things you're feeling, as you're, as you're, if you're gonna follow Jesus, Here's what it looks like sexually to follow Jesus. And the reason your heavenly father has called you to live this way is because he loves you. And here it is, it's just three statements. Number one, honor God with your body because the Holy Spirit lives in you and your body is how people know what you believe and where you stand. And your behavior through your body is to exemplify the goodness of God and the grace of God and the love of God. So you always honor God with your body and you always honor other people's bodies. Number two, don't be mastered by anything, not by porn, not by a sexual addiction. Don't be mastered by another person. Don't be mastered by your infatuation. Don't be mastered by your lust. Don't be mastered by anything. You have a master and he's a king and he loves you and he created you and he knows what's best for you. And number three, the old fashioned one, don't sexualize a relationship outside of marriage. That is so old fashioned, no sex before married, well, if you're not married, I mean, who even teaches that anymore? <laughs> Always have, always will. And, and when people think we've listened, you know, wandered away from this, this, earlier this year, Joel Thomas did this amazing series called Intimate Encounters. And in one of the messages, it was specifically about fidelity in marriage and sexual purity outside of marriage. And I mean, he just was right on the nose. And at the end of the message, at one campus at least, people broke out clapping. Like, yes, we're glad somebody believes that. And here's why we're not gonna blink on this. And I've asked 
you know, people in crowds this question. I've asked many people, dozens of people over the, you know, a desk this question. Hey, has sex outside of marriage made your life better or has it made it more complicated? Has sex outside of marriage made the person you had sex with, did it make their life better or did it make their life more complicated? And honest people say, yeah, it, it created some complications. Well, then what do you expect your heavenly father to say who loves you and loves the person whose life you may have set back? What do you think their heavenly father is gonna say about sexual activity? When oftentimes our sex outside of marriage makes you a liar for life because you're never gonna tell the truth about your past because you're too ashamed. What, would, what, do, you, what do you expect? So the, the message is the same for everybody. Sex is for married People, along these same lines, we affirm all three of the Apostle Paul's statements on the topic of same-sex sex. Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Timothy 1, he references this. And we affirm exactly what the, Paul, the Apostle Paul says. In other words, what the Apostle Paul called sin was sin then, and it's sin now. Regarding marriage, and this feels weird to even say this, but just make sure everybody knows where we are. We talk about marriage or we talk about and teach about marriage the same way Jesus and the apostles do. Every instruction in the Bible regarding marriage references or assumes a husband and a wife, a man or a woman. So biblical marriage, biblical marriage is between a man and a woman. We've never shied away from that. We don't change the words in order not to offend people. Now, here's what may surprise all of us straight people. The gay attenders in our churches they aren't shocked that we talk that way. They aren't shocked by that. They expect that. They grew up on that. They hoped for that. They prayed for that. They prayed that God would change them so they could experience. But I've sat in groups with small groups of gay men 35 and up to 65. And watch them weep because they, didn't have a, they don't have family. They couldn't have family. They prayed for that and God didn't answer their prayer. And many are convinced that traditional marriage is not an option for them. So they commit to living a chaste life, an old fashioned word. And for many men and men, women who put their faith in Christ, they just decide, okay, I'm just gonna buckle down. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bear down. I'm just gonna be by myself. I'm not gonna have family. I'm gonna be sexually pure. And many, 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 many do that for long seasons of time. And some, for some, it's, it's, it's their whole life. But for many, that is not sustainable. And so they choose a same-sex marriage not because they're convinced it's biblical. They read the same Bible we do. They chose to marry for the same reason many of us did. Love, companionship, and family. And in the end, as was the case for all of us, and this is the important thing I want you to hear me say, it's their decision. Our decision is to decide how we respond to their decision. Our decision as a group of local churches is how are we going to respond to their decision? And we decided 28 years ago, 
We draw circles, we don't draw lines. We draw big circles. If someone desires to follow Jesus, regardless of their starting point, regardless of their past, regardless of their current circumstances, our message is come and see and come sit with me. And this is not new. This is who we are, it's who we've always been, and this is why I love our church, and this is why I'm so extraordinarily proud. So bottom line then, again, they affirm marriage, traditional marriage as we understand it, but they are accepting and affirming of those who have hoped, prayed, uh, God didn't answer their prayer, in Andy's words, that's not my words. Mm -hmm. Um, They've chosen to remain in their LGBTQ plus identity because it's not sustainable to stay alone in that, but they have chosen then the lifestyle or relationship to follow. And then it's incumbent upon the church to respond to them, their decision. Their decision trumps truth. Their decision trumps the church's behavior. That's, that's the subtext beyond the out, what the surface words here that he's boldly yeah. proclaiming and that they have as a church chosen to accept and affirm those lifestyle choices, whether they be the lesbian, the gay, the bi, the trans, the queer, plus. Those are his words. Yeah. Let's finish up. Of you. We aren't condoning sin. We are restoring relationships. And we are literally saving lives. I want to end with a, an email. I got a couple dozen of these the last couple of weeks as people saw the criticism pouring in about the conference. I'll read this and we'll be done. Andy. My, my husband, Craig, and I have been attending North Point Community Church and then Brownsbridge Church since our two sons were in middle school and high school. They are now 35 and 37 years old. Collectively, we have served in almost every area of ministry, but never could we have known how much Parent Connect would mean to us. February 9th, 2020, our youngest son, Michael, came by for breakfast to watch you online with us. When the service was over, he said he had something he needed to share with us. Words cannot express the sadness we felt when he explained that for the last 20 years, he had privately suffered knowing he was gay. Alone, he carried this attraction for the same sex. And no matter how much he prayed or dated women, nothing changed. He expressed it with his tearful nights, praying that God would change him. But God did not. And even in this next sentence, I want you to listen, especially those of you who are a little bit like this on the inside right now, would you just listen to this next statement? Even though he had not acted on his same sex attraction, he still carried shame and even considered suicide. Now look, all of us have felt shame about things we've done. All of us have felt shame about things we haven't done but I bet you've never carried shame about who you are. That's the difference. And when people say to me, well, Andy, it's just like, I just stop them, I say, no. This is not like anything. This is an is. It is a category all unto itself. She goes on, she says, of course, we had previously taught our sons that it's a sin, just as it had been taught to us. We cried with him, we held him, we listened. If there's ever been a precious soul who wanted to please God and be kind to others, it's Michael. We were fearful for his future and we felt we could tell no one 
There's the isolation. As I was looking for a Bible study, our small group on the, on the North Point website, I ran into Parent Connect, not knowing exactly what it was, and I was too embarrassed to call. To Al and Debbie Causey, to Greg and Lynn, and all the Parent Connect team, I wanna thank you for being courageous and kind enough to love like Christ. We didn't know what to think or where to turn. We were heartbroken. Michael did not wanna cause us pain, but we wanted to know who he really was and how he felt. We didn't know, we didn't want to, to cause him more pain than he'd already experienced. We needed help. And we will be forever grateful that God led us to Parent Connect and embracing the journey. I'm a retired NICU nurse and I've taken care of several babies that it was impossible to tell if they were male or female, a condition called ambiguous genitalia. This was not the case for Michael, but has definitely made me have greater understanding and love for individuals who experience gender dysphoria and who are struggling with their identity. It is impossible to know how painful some of these experiences must be. And then she says in her, in her letter, oh, Father, help us to love well. We have grown in the last three and a half years in ways I could never have anticipated, thanks to all of you and others like Justin Lee. Andy, we know that you and others mentioned are facing heavy criticism for hosting the Unconditional Conference. We just wanted you to know how much you've helped us. We thank God for our church and we thank Michael for helping us learn to live a better version of ourselves, to be more loving, less judgmental, and kinder people. With a grateful heart, Christine. On one occasion, Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. You will find rest for your soul. All. That's a big circle. That's the invitation of our Savior. That's the invitation of our church. That's the invitation of your church. And perhaps one day, it'll be the invitation of every church. Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible, incredible group of people who love and we're all learning to love more like you. And we do not wanna get it wrong and we do not wanna mislead anybody, but we wanna be grace and truth maximized. Not just grace, not just truth, not the balance of grace and truth, full on, all grace, all truth, all the time. And Father, I confess that our, our approaches, they, they fall short of perfection. But I pray that you give us the courage. Give us the courage to stay in the place we need to be as a group of local churches. And I pray that you would do extraordinary things through us and maybe, maybe, maybe use us to move this conversation forward in our country, certainly in our communities, and maybe in the world. And we pray all of this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. I mean, I applaud Andy's heart and desire. I mean, I get it. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, it just, I can't believe that the answer is just to leave people in the place of an identity that is filled still with confusion, yep. gender dysphoria, uh -huh. and greater shame. Yep. There, Jesus came to set the captives free. Yep. And so... Um, I do. I weep for those who um, wake up with those desires, who want to be free and have not yet found a way to be free. 
Uh, I weep for those parents who have a child, grandchild, relative, friend who have confessed this. And it, it has been years, decades perhaps, of struggle and pain and confusion. But I... I cannot believe that this is the way they were intended to live, is inside that confusion. Jesus came to, again, with his truth, set the captives free to heal that which has been broken. Uh, The brokenhearted Jesus came to heal so that the end result is someone who is free. So So one passage that comes to mind here for me... uh, it comes from 1 Corinthians 5 where Paul is instructing the church in, in how to live and how to live in community together. Mm. And that church had immorality in the church. Mm. And first he talks about a relationship where a man is having sex with his uh, father's wife. Yep. And then it continues on talking. This is verse 9. It says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with sexually immoral people of this world or with the covenants or the extortioner or idolater, mm. since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or drunkard mm. and so on. And then verse 12 says, For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside, but those who are outside God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Yeah, That, to me, clearly contradicts this, hey, let's just everyone come on all in and let's just all hang out and have a good time and do church together. But this is very clear, specific instructions on sexual immorality. And again, how it how it defiles the church. And previously it talks about purging the old leaven earlier yeah. in that chapter. And again, that's mm-hmm. Paul being very clear and specific and, and intentional with the church specifically. Yeah. It's not to just stiff arm any person who's sexually immoral, but to not applaud that and glorify that and, Correct. and bring it on into the church. You yeah. know? All who are weary come. Yes. Yeah. And now, Learn to deny yourself, yeah. take up your cross, and truly follow Jesus. Yes. Because it's, again, it's in that verse, it's Jesus offering his yoke and his burden and to walk with him and to mm-hmm. learn from him and to go in that way. It's not, hey, come here and find rest and just sit where you have been. Yeah, yeah. It's an invitation to be free from your shame, uh, to be free uh, not because Jesus accepts you in your sin, but because he, he's come to cleanse you and, yeah. and, and heal the brokenhearted, and heal what was in the past and heal what has been confusing and restore uh, paths of righteousness, even within us, restore what the enemy has yep. meant for evil, restore what the, the locust has stolen yep. to heal and restore. So um, it's an important it's an important decision that churches need to make today. How will you deal with this subject? Yep. And it's important we face it with um, truth from the scripture, with the power of the spirit, and then to boldly act regardless of what reaction there might be. And um, I know Andy's doing that based on what his understanding of truth is, but um, uh, it seems to fall short of uh, what the scripture holds as standard today in consistency throughout the yep. New Testament. So I uh, appreciate you joining us today and being part of it. Yep. Uh, come join us at Vertical, our, our messages this. Uh, anyone 
all are welcome to come in the door mm-hmm. who are willing to say, I've come to find life in Jesus Christ. I've come to deny myself. I've come to take up my cross that I might know life in him. All are welcome to stay who are willing to embrace that call. So uh, join us as we keep lifting him up and living him out.